Hey, Spirit fans, this is Seth Askelson, and I want to personally thank you for tuning in to the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the Founders Series so far, and hope you continue to tune in each week as great guests keep rolling in. During the first few weeks, the podcast has only been available on OUAZSpirit.com, but I am here to tell you that has changed. You can now access every edition of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast on Spotify, Google Play Music, and Apple Podcasts. Please tune in, subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcast platform. Once again, you can find every episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast on Spotify, Google Play Music, and Apple Podcasts. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we look forward to delivering you quality content all throughout the summer and beyond. Spirit fans, my name is Seth Askelson, and we're here again for yet another edition of the Founders Podcast. Today's guest, the head football coach, Mike Nesbitt. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Seth. Having a good day. That's good to hear, and uh, there's a lot of good days for OUAZ football during the first two seasons, but um, things are on hold a little bit, so uh, how are you doing during this time? How are you and your family doing, and, and how are you and your family of a coaching staff doing with all of this? You know what, really, uh, I think our coaches have done a, a fantastic job. You know, I think our, our coaches have done a good job of uh, keeping in touch with their players. Uh, you know, we'll have at least one position meeting a week and then sometimes two and, uh, you know, cover some stuff. And then as a staff throughout the really March, April and May, we met three times a week and talked about our kids and and kept a lot of things going, you know, and then now we've kind of taken a little break. You know, our coaches were only meeting once a week on Friday mornings just to talk about recruiting and the health and our well-being of our current players and just kind of see where we're at. But I, I thought our guys as a staff and, and the players, I thought they've done a really good job of, of staying engaged and involved in what we needed to do. And, and then I think we were real fortunate, you know, we were real fortunate that we were able to get, you know, a couple weeks of practice in and some, and some good quality work on the on the board and in the classroom and then on the field uh, before we before we broke you know for the spring break and the and then the pandemic I think that helped us a lot in that standpoint because we really just missed one big scrimmage and so it was good and then personally you know we've been we've been real fortunate all the all the coaches and their families are healthy and safe and uh, everybody seems like uh, for the most part you know, knock on wood a little bit, but everybody's done a good job of taking care of themselves. So it's, it's good. It's good to see. Yeah, I know we all want everybody back in the fall healthy and, and ready to go. And um, for yourself, in a sport like football, I think it's really seen as a sport that has a lot of preparation, you know, a lot of film, a lot of game planning and things of that nature. And when we talk to some of the other guests on this podcast about how are they going about staying in touch with their players and, and things of that nature for you? I mean, passing out playbooks, making sure guys understand concepts. How are you guys going about staying in contact and making sure the guys are keeping up the, with the playbook and learning new things all while being socially distanced? Well, you know, I, well, I think the, the, the biggest way we've done it is, you know, you're able to share your screens on zoom and, and with huddle and, and some of the video technology that, that you can see that a kid can be on his phone and, and be anywhere in the country or the world really. And you can get on there and you can take them through the playbook and the install. And 
uh, you know, and it goes back to what you asked earlier was it was really good for us because we only had two weeks left of spring practice. And so we had all offense, defense, and really special teams. We had all the install already in. And we were, we'd already been through it two times before we stopped camp. And so now it was just really kind of a polish and a free, you know, and just kind of clean it all up a little bit and finish them up. And some of it, you know, it's like for the quarterbacks, I think it's been really good because we've been able to take one opponent every week and we just talk about one team. And no, no time during the year, I don't think any quarterback coach, offensive staff could just take one game per week and just sit and talk about an opponent's defense and what they're trying to do and their philosophy and what our game plan was last season and what we liked and what we didn't like and spend a whole week on them. And I think that's, that's something that is kind of been nice is because you can really slow down the teaching progression for each opponent to get it to where you want it. And, I, and so that's been good. Uh, the only thing, you know, that kind of concerns you is the preparation of special teams, watching guys do it live you know, cover kicks and punts and, and having to block on punt and different things, things that, that you have to do physically. It's not a board drill that you can do, right? You can't put them on a Zoom meeting or a chalk talk and, and get them coached up on how to play physical in those special teams phases. And that one, I, that one will be a little bit behind. And I bet if you talk to the defensive staff, it would be tackling, right? Because you can't tackle on the internet. I think that just playing the physical part is – that, that's just something you just can't do, right? I mean, so that that is, you know, unless guys are running around in their yard tackling their little brother and sister and stuff like that, it's just not possible. So, um, you know, but for the most part, that's it. I, and I think, too, for, for us is uh, you're not trying to do too much. I talked to a coach this morning, and I said, you know, that, that was been I, – I always feel like we haven't done enough over the last 16 weeks. And then and another part of me is – don't put too much in the playbook. Don't don't add more than what you're going to be able to coach when you get back to the training camp because you only have X amount of days to practice. The, the days preparing you for the season haven't changed. Your your downtime of being able to watch tape and be on the computer and, and study and add has added, but your preparation time for the fall hasn't changed. And so that was – that was something I think I've been fighting just, you know, personally, offensively, just to make sure we're not doing too much. But, um, no, it's uh, – th that part has been kind of kind of interesting, just being able to slow some of the teaching stuff down and maybe get a little bit more in-depth because you have, you have time that we haven't had before. How were you able to get the incoming freshmen uh, acclimated? Obviously, not all of them. Um, graduate early and are able to get to spring ball like you would see, say, at the NCAA Division One level. But obviously there has to be some sort of, you know, implementation, as you said, the install and, and getting those guys ready to come in and play at OUAZ. How are you guys going about preparing the freshmen uh, in this unique situation? Nah, the, the, the big point of emphasis for the freshmen was to continue to work out. Uh, that that's something that happens every year to every incoming freshman class is they, you know, we talk about it right after recruiting, we send them a workout book, a running and lifting program. And coach Hodgson does a great job of, of trying to engage those recruits the minute they sign with us. So the minute a guy signs with us, we try to get him a workout plan uh, to carry him all the way through the off season. Uh, that's the big thing now is making sure that they're in shape. A lot of times, 
their freshmen wilt away during fall camp just because they're not physically in good enough shape to be able to play. Uh, that, you know, that's a concern, right? Because they, we haven't been here in the summer. So our, this is going to be one of our first classes uh, right now that we haven't had on campus in July. Most of the time, most of our freshmen, especially the local kids are, are here on campus. If they're an Arizona guy, they're, they're in town and they're working out with us in July. So we're going to have to make up that ground with them here before fall camp starts uh, just to get them physically ready to play. The mental part, some of it, it, it's over their head still. You know, they, they, they need to spend some time on it. So we don't do too much of the board work with those guys at, at this point in time. How quickly can you tell if a guy hasn't been working out or, or staying physically fit in the offseason? Yeah, well, well, we'll be able to know real quick. You know, once we do our, our first run test in the fall, uh, we always do our run test every year. And we'll send that out to these guys here. Uh, early next week or week after, usually around 4th of July, we give them the run test and the times and all that. So they have about 30 days to prepare for it. Uh, and, and that one we can tell real quick. That one's the, that was the one that shows everything real fast is, you know, are they going to be able to carry their pads and their body weight and, and be ready to play at a good level when we start. It's a good idea to send it out uh, right before the 4th of July. It'll, Make those guys think twice about eating that extra hot dog or hamburger at the cookout. Yeah, so. yeah, it'll slow them down a little bit. You hope, you know, what you hope it does though is at least just if they know the answers to the test, right? Maybe they'll just go out and do the run test every day. They might not do the whole workout, but if they go out and do the run test every day uh, for a month, then we we got a chance when they show up. That's right. Uh, I mean, not the best advice for a student, but it's like they say, study the material that you know that's going to be on the test. So That's right. We're not tricking you. So you recruits and players that are out there listening to the podcast today, remember, it's not a trick. We've done it for three years. We're going to give you the run test and the times. you got to finish it. you got to get ready to do it. Well, when it came to your team's first season, I mean, there wasn't any material for teams to study. And um, for you guys, year one, you came out seven and four, five and three in the Sooner Athletic Conference and a, a lot of your losses. I mean, you take a look at you had number 14 Langston in your second ever game, first ever conference game on the road. You had him on the ropes, lost by seven, lost by three the next week. I mean, you guys are, you know, right on their hip. You blow out rival Arizona Christian, who at that point was ranked 19th. I mean, for a year one program, we'll talk about how, you know, the build of that was, but being five and three, seven and four, knocking off your biggest rival who was ranked at the time, what was that like for you as a coach? Well, I, you know, the, that season was, and, and it's even more remarkable when you look at it, that a lot of those losses, I think every one of them were on the last play of the game where either the team scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal to beat us, or we actually had a chance, right? Even the bowl game against Olivet Nazarene, we had a chance. We came back got within one score and then just missed the onside kick to be able to have an opportunity to drive and win it. And so when you start building a football program and build a team and you think about that whole red shirt class and that group of originals and the, the coaches and everything we put in for the 12 months before we start to get the play, just, I mean, I, we were so proud as a staff and the, and the team just to be able to be, in every football game because when you when you talk about a startup program and a new football team we all see the records right we see two and nine oh and ten and it takes 
it takes some time. It takes five years. It takes six years to, to even get close to a winning record. And uh, just, just to be able to put a staff together that could really see the vision of what we wanted to do and then, and then hold the course, you know, of no locker room, no practice field, guys carrying their luggage across, across the street to go to the eight acres, the practice, all that stuff, right, that we always joke about and talk about it with our guys. But I honestly think that's what brought us close together that first season when the game started counting. That, that investment, you know, coaches always talk about the investment. And I talked to a couple staffs the other day about it. And just the our kids being invested in each other, invested in the coaches, the coaches invested in the players, it created such a tight bond right away. Um, that we were really protective. I think we were really protective of what we were doing and how we were doing it. Um, it was a sense of pride, and I, and I think that led us to being really competitive right away. And I think that even carried over to year two. You could see that going into that second season of, man, we, we've worked hard for this, and don't, don't just give it up, right? If you're going to get beat, make those other guys fight for it. And uh, – uh, that it's something special I haven't seen in 24 years of coaching is how tight a group can be, but also how welcoming when we bring in new players and transfers and new recruits, our team is really welcoming to the new players. And sometimes when you're in different places, sometimes there's that little bit of friction between the current players, the new guys, everybody's a little uneasy or, or fighting for their position. I don't see that at our place. I really don't. I see just a good group of guys that's willing to, to help everybody out and try to get the best guys on the field and, and keep the good players in the locker room for sure. Now is having that easy transition for the newer players, whether they be freshmen or whether they be transfers, is that because of the culture that you and your coaching staff and, and some of those key players have built? How does that get built in, in such a short time? You know, I, I believe it, it was really those original group of guys. You know, that first year when we had 130-some guys on the roster and, and everything, and we ended up with a little over 40 that made it back that next year. You know, the, those guys, that 40 to 48, whatever that number was, somewhere in there, that, that group of guys, one, we recruited and, and retained some good upperclassmen, some good seniors, right, the Amari Burks the Chris Ewings, the Javon Hogan's, there's a list of them, right, that, that were able to, to see how we operated that first fall as a coaching staff. And when we brought new guys in, every recruiting cycle, those guys were able to say, no, 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 that's, that's not what we do at practice. That's not what we do in the hallway. That's, that's not how we want to be. That's not who we are downtown. Um, and it wasn't, coming from, it wasn't coming from the coaches every single day it wasn't having to be me walking around banging guys on top of the heads and going, hey, we got to do that. No, it started becoming from the players of this is how we practice. This is how we lift weights. This is how we run. This is how we condition in the summer. This is where we're at. And, and, it, gave it, and it gave it more a player-driven deal. And I think that was really – was really good and it was it was neat to see but it was it was neat to see how it affected from the top down all the way to the new guys where you could look around the locker room I mean take a guy like Antonio Day for example right Antonio Day and Chris Ewings are great examples on offense those guys were low low money recruits 
basically almost like walk-ons here in Ottawa. We're not on a high scholarship dollar amount, any sense of the imagination. But then before you look, look up, by the end of the first year of playing games, those guys are scoring touchdowns, they're contributing, they're leading the conference in certain categories, they're playing on all four phases of special teams, and they're, they're all involved. Well, those guys could walk around the locker room and tell those young guys, look, just, just buy into the system, buy into the process, and it's going to pay off for you. And then you see guys like Christian Foote, Christian Baville, different guys doing the same thing across. A guy like Amari Burks taking, taking DeAndre Armstrong and different guys in the, state, in the secondary under his wing and getting those guys ready to play. You know, and that's, that's, you know, unbelievable. You know, and then a guy like Ryland on the defensive side and, you know, stuff like that, which is – Marcos, like look at Marcos, right? Marcos comes in here. He's one of our first original signees. He graduates, gets his master's. He's the College Football Hall of Fame academic player of the year. Um, how does that happen so fast? It's, it's just good quality guys buying in. And, it's, and then it's fun to watch those guys show how to do it. And then the, the kids can believe in when it's another kid saying it. So that was, that was neat to see. Yeah, I mean, in, in two short years, I mean, you name all the awards. You've won a couple of awards yourself as a coach. Um, did you think in two years you would go from uh, a team that was practicing at uh, a city park to a team that was playing and competing for most of that first half in a playoff game? Yeah, no. No, I don't, I don't know if you could, if you could really – I couldn't have sat there and told you after the first fall sitting there at Christmas break after the first fall. Oh yeah. We, we're going to be a playoff contending type team. No, I, I don't think you, anybody would believe that, but you could see there was a lot of good competitive spirit in the team. There were some guys that knew how to play, knew how to be coachable. Um, and so there was a lot to build on, which was fun to see. And so that was, that was neat. When you really could see it, though, and it, it's kind of – it's such a crazy deal, but I tell people all the time, I knew we had a chance to be a really good football program when I watched us come back at the Langston game because we probably had played maybe the worst six minutes, eight minutes of college football that I've been around just in everything that could go wrong went wrong from a 99-yard touchdown run to – three and outs and punt returns and block kicks and touchdowns, interceptions, the whole deal, right? It's just, and you look up and you're down 21, nothing. And then all of a sudden you're up 14 and you're like, these guys are the defending conference champ. They're a playoff team. You're on the road and you could just see the light bulb flip in everybody's eyes, coaches and players, right? Because it was as bad as it could be. Well, now all of a sudden it was, we've got belief that we can really do it. And then you, you walk out of there and you're like, shoot, we probably could have won the game. We're two or three plays, you know, away from winning the game. You know, an opening drive that stalls in the in the third quarter after an opening kickoff return. We have to kick a field goal instead of get a touchdown. And, you know, we get a an, an illegal procedure penalty that they don't call on a third and long play that could have changed it. I mean, so there's a lot of things that go on in that game where you're like, we might have a chance to be pretty good. And then all of a sudden your, your talent level of when we're recruiting 
we'd bring guys on campus and they'd look around the room and they'd be like, well, that guy looks like me. That guy looks, that looks, and then also we're getting transfers and we're getting junior college players, you know, that are wanting to come to surprise and be on our campus. And, and then that's where it grows really fast, but it's the, it's the word of mouth, right? It's the, the quality of what the coaches are doing and what we're doing as a university and we're building new gyms and new weight rooms and dorms and all that stuff. And the kids can really truly see the growth that it's new. And it's not just a smoke and mirror shell game in recruiting, right? It's really happening. It's not some block kind of model in an office. Oh yeah, we're going to have that. And then five years down the road, that building's never been built. You know, people were breaking ground and, and you could see the vision right from the start. And I think that was, that increased our speed as a football program of being able to get guys out there that could play. Yeah, I think talking to some of the coaches on this podcast, they mentioned, you know, yeah, it's up. And, and we knew, we thought it was going to be up, but we didn't think it was going to be in, in two, three years. They thought it was going to be that five-year mark, but it, it came up so quick. But before that, it was um, dirt fields and, and little yeah. neon flags. And uh, for right. you, before, before you came over, to OUAZ, you were the uh, head coach at West Texas A&M for four years, and, and you had success. Um, you were 25 and 17. You were at the quarterfinals of the 2013 NCAA championships at the D2 level. Um, when did you first hear about OUAZ, and and when did you start thinking that this is a place that could be for you? Well, it was it was really around that that 2016 football season in. in uh, we had had a talk with Coach Steele, and, and he'd asked me, you know, kind of what we thought, you know, and what I thought about Arizona, and if I thought that it would be a really good, you know, low, you know, Division two type NAIA-type football program, what I thought about the talent level and this and that. And then it was, you know, and I, and I always thought that this was, was a hotbed because I'd seen Arizona Christian play two years before that. They played a Lone Star Conference school. And we'd watch them, and they were really competitive, and they had some good players. And I thought, you know, just the city of Arizona being out here and, and the state of in Arizona and Phoenix and all this and being around it, recruiting the last 10, 11 years, you knew there was a lot of good high school talent that didn't want to leave the state. And so you could find a way to keep them in town and keep them here and instead of them going back to the Midwest. You know, I thought the talent pool would be there. So that was around, you know, the end of 16th season and then, and then it worked out that, you know, I was able to come out here that first uh, week in January and uh, we left Canyon, Texas, and it was about 20 degrees and snow on the ground and the wind blowing. And we landed at Sky Harbor Airport and my wife Camille and I got off the plane and it was 75, 80 degrees and everybody was wearing shorts. And it was like, this could be a pretty good place to, to live and coach, you know? And so it was, it was fun in, in that standpoint, you know, and, and, you know, and, and looking at it, we were able to talk to some really good coaches, you know, Larry Coker at UTSA and the guys at West Florida and some different places that had started up football programs. And so everything they had talked about as we were researching this job, we really thought the city of Surprise had, you know, a, a, a know-how, how to get get behind athletics and get it going as a, as a community, right? It's not just the university, the university can want to have an athletic team and a football program, but if people in the city that you're in don't care about it, that makes it even harder, right? I mean, you're, 
but if they're in a place where they're kind of excited and, you know, you look at everything that we've got, you know, from the Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals and, and everything that goes around in our community, you really thought you could get people behind college football. And there's enough snowbirders, right? Let's just figure it out. There's enough people that live out here from the Midwest that want to watch college football on a Saturday night that might not want to pay $60 to go to Arizona State and park and drive downtown. They want to drive right down the street and jump in the stands and watch a good team play. So it, it had all that to build on for sure. Well, you've provided the good team on Saturday nights and uh, I wouldn't disagree with those people that don't want to drive to Tempe. Uh, look, I'm an ASU graduate, but driving to Tempe from the West Valley, trying to find parking down there, I, I don't blame them. I'd rather come to OUAZ as well and avoid That's all that. Great. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and, and another thing is you make an interesting point about getting off the plane and it being 75 and, you know, 80 degrees. You came at a good time because I remember talking to uh, some of the coaches on this podcast and um, Adam Hepker, and in particular, the head assistant coach, he said, you know, we came in the summer, I got out of the car and it was 100 degrees outside. And I said, we'll get, he said he told his wife, we're getting back in the car. <laughs> So it looks like uh, Kevin Steele uh, made a good choice by bringing you out in the winter and, and not when it was triple digits. So, I mean, you're still at West Texas, you know, obviously you come out and, and you get the tour. And when do you finally make that decision that, okay, surprise is a good place to go. I know you said you talked to some coaches who had built uh, some college football programs, UTSA starting to make a name at the NCAA division one FBS level. Um, but when did you finally make that decision that, okay, this is something that I want to start and, and something I want to build. You no, know, really, it was it was probably around mid-January, I think, you know, when Kevin and I finally, you know, we'd come out one time and and taken the tour and, and, and seen everything and visiting with everybody and, and the staff and the administrative crew that was going to be part of it. And, and, and that was one part, too, that was, you know, that was maybe reassuring in the idea that you knew that your, your AD had done it before, you know, at Cal Baptist and that you've been around him for a little bit of time at Boleyn College. And so you could kind of have an idea of, of who he was and, and what they had done, right? Because you could, even though they didn't have football at Cal Baptist, you could see the growth of, the, of it. And so you kind of had an idea that, that he would know what was going on with it and how it was going to happen. Um, and then it, it, then it just came down to, hey, look, you know, do you want to take the challenge? You know, this is something that you've never done professionally. You've never even – been close to a brand new football program and and then the the thing is too it, it we all talk about it being a brand new football program or athletics well people don't really it's it's hard to realize you know we had a university here in Arizona for over 50 years but we didn't have students on campus it wasn't like there were 6,000 students hanging out on campus in surprise oh and now you're just going to start a football program there, there wasn't that, right? There was 27 or 26 of us head coaches that had a higher staff and get kids and people and assistants and all had to sell it and all had to sell it at a high degree to get the buzz going about Ottawa. And I think that was, when it boiled down to it, that was kind of an exciting thing because everybody at the head coach level that I talked to and even some assistants that had started up football programs they all had a different vibe to just the pride in being able to do it. That it was, it was the first, it was the beginning. And, and that was neat too, is because you could look at it and you could say, Hey, we're, we're going to do it this way. And we're, 
we're not going to be handcuffed by, well, this is what we've always done, or this is where the program's always had this reputation or that. You could build it however you wanted, and you and your staff could look at it and go, yeah, we want to do it this way. And so um, I think that's, that's a fun, you know, that's a fun thing for it. So it was mid-January, but I think it just boiled down to, hey, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's put our name on it and let's be the first guy to ever do it. And, you know, I always have these photographs in my house or my office of all these first, like my first high school job at Berlin High School, I was able to find one time the first high school football team at Berlin High School. And it was like 18, 20 something, right? These guys are wearing leather helmets and, you know, wool jackets and there's 12 or 15 of them. And then I look all beat up. And then I had West Texas A&Ms and then I had SFAs and the University of Houston. And, and you look back and you look at those teams and you're like, somebody had to do it, right? I mean, you might as be the first guy. And, and I always look at that first year team photo and it's, those kids are going to look at that. Even guys that met, not even made it to the first game will look at it and be like so fired up and so proud because of you know where we're at like I had four or five guys text me over the weekend that just practiced the first year and they didn't stay for whatever reason and they were like coach we follow every game we follow the team and we're so happy we're so proud of the team well those guys all have ownership in in the being the first and I and that's probably a little bit why you take the as a coach right you take the leap of faith and you jump on board and you say yeah let's let's go do it you know, so it was good. It's It's been a lot of fun. I mean, as you just said, somebody had to do it, and, and you decided that you wanted to be that somebody to do it. And because there was no reputation, there was no expectation on what a program should look like, what were some of the things that you wanted to implement? What was some of your core values that you wanted to implement in a brand-new program? <laughs> so it's, it's funny because, you know, about this time, the first year was when we were getting close, right? We were um, – we had most of the coaches hired that first year, the full-time guys around this time. And so we were getting them all on campus. And, and, and before you even start about talking about culture, like we sat around the room one time and every coach brought in their top 10 list of everything we needed to do to be successful the first season, right? Just to, just to make the first year from the fall to the spring to be able to give us a chance to win that next calendar year when we started playing games to count. And it's funny when you think about it because everybody thinks of kind of, you know, just big, big things, you know. And we boiled it down to one, you got to have a field, right? Can you get a field to practice? Can you get the field lines? Can you video it? Can you get enough recruits to be able to practice? You know, all that stuff was like – and so once we kind of got the top ten list of just things that we needed to do, we, we always said it that – because – we knew that first year our guys didn't have any like games, right? They weren't going to be able to say, well, we're going to play a game here. We got so-and-so. So we boiled it down to, can we work hard? Can we just show up and work hard every single day? Like how hard can we really physically work? And, and then boy, and then the other part we said we were going to install right away is can we take care of each other? Can we, can we protect, can we protect each other? Can we take care of each other? Uh, can we learn to love each other, right? Some of our guys come from a program that no coach has ever told them, man, I love you. Well, that's, we're going to say that all the time, man. We're going to hug them. We're going to tell them that. And we truly, honestly, we mean it. We believe in it, right? And in, in the, and so that was like, 
those two things right away were were vital, you know, and you could say three, right? Because we were going to protect the brand. We were going to protect who we were right away as Ottawa University of Arizona. Who were we? We were going to have some pride in what we were going to do, who we are when we walked out there on the field. Um, and so those three things were stuff that we, we still talk about today when we sit on that logo every day after practice or after a game. You know, can you can you protect the team? Can you care about each other? And and are you just willing to work hard for the other guy? And that was that was that was good. And I think I don't know. You want to get into what we're going through in the world today and and different things like that. Um, I you know we've got several kids, multiple guys on our team that are very vocal that get out and they're part of marches and they're part of protests and they're, and they're standing up for what they, what they believe in and what's right in the world. And, you know, we encourage that from our guys and it's, it's prideful on my part as a coach and, and to see that, that they understand that, that we are standing up for the team. We are protecting each other. Uh, we're, we're protecting each other as a society and as a world. And it's, and it's good to see. And uh, maybe that small part of team can grow into, into more as we look at it, but it's, it's neat to see. And that, that was our core, you know, just because we didn't have anything, right. You, you're not like, Oh, we got a great locker room. We got a night. No, it's, it's who we are. And so that's, even as we've grown in facilities, we still boil it back to, you better be able to show up and work. If you can't show up and work and work hard for the other guy, the other player, the other coach, the other guy on offense, the other guy on defense, we have no shot. We have no shot to be good. And it, it just takes two or three guys, one guy, ten guys, to say, well, I don't really want to do it. Well, that, that's not going to happen because we, we have to be all in together for it. And so it, I, it's, it's been fun. As you mentioned earlier, that first year you didn't play any games. It was just practice. And, and not everybody made it to the first game for, for whatever reason, like you said. But – when you were recruiting for that first year, especially with some of the high-end talents, how did you go about saying, hey, if you're coming in, we're not playing games this first year. How did you convince people to, and some of those players to come in when you're a year out from even playing a game that counts? You know, some of them, it was, you know, some of the transfer guys, you know, like, for example, some of the transfer players, you know, we really talked to them that this was going to knock off the rust. They'd been out a year. Some of them had sat out a season or hadn't played in, you know, a year or two. And they were just trying to come back. And it was, hey, you're going to get in the weight room. You're going to get in shape. You're going to get bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. You're going to learn this scheme. But you really have 12 months to grow. You have 12 months to grow. You have 12 months to, to get better. And you might only have one season to play. You might have two. Well, that was, that was the initial – right, for the upperclassmen, those transfers and some of those guys that we've seen play the last two years. Um, some of them, it was, this is your, for whatever reason, this is your last shot, right? This is it. You, you, you have no place else to go. Uh, we're giving you the opportunity. You either not made it wherever you've been or whatever reason. And so you're, you're here, right? And so make the best of it because it's, those games are going to happen in a year. Uh, some of it for a lot of the high school guys that we recruited, some of it was, you know, they wanted a chance, right? Either they were a backup in high school, they were maybe a two or a three behind a, 
a Division One recruit, and they didn't get a lot of tape and didn't get to play a lot. And so they were interested in making their, their own name for themselves. And that, that has gone probably to lead to some of our success too because those guys are hungry to show I can really play. You know, I can really, really do this. And, uh, you know, we've got several guys. I mean, you take a guy like Tristan Sheehorn, right? Tristan Sheehorn was a good high school football player. He was a really good high school football player. But he's not big enough. He's not fast enough was decent in the weight room in high school, was an all-conference player in his high school, was good, played all the time from his sophomore year on, but nobody nobody recruited him, right? Nobody recruited Well, shoot, that guy was – man, we he was perfect for us. He fit what we did offensively. He was smart. He was competitive. He's tough. Well, we'll take that guy. Now you look up, right, two-time all-conference, all-American type guy, maybe one of the best offensive linemen – According to our guys in our conference, probably one of the best offensive linemen in the country that all our coaches talk about. And so, you know, that's that's a perfect example of a guy that just could say, hey, that's my shot, right? That's that's where I need to be. A guy like Chris Ewings, Javon Hogan, same thing. Didn't get recruited a lot out of their junior colleges. Show up, blossom, you know. And so um, that was a good place for a lot of guys to come make their names you know, and, and branch out and show that they could play college football and play at a high level. Well, your team has certainly played at a high level and, and played some high competition. And um, before any of that happened, before you even got a recruit on campus, you yourself had to take a tour of the campus and um, here on, on the podcast. And I think that forever will go down in OUAZ lore is the parking garage, the top of the parking garage tour that pretty much everybody was given now were you given that tour when you first uh made your visit oh. to OUAZ oh yeah you mean uh when we would go up to uh Eichner Point Eichner yep. Point was the that was the that was the trip right and so you know we would we'd all would go up on top of the parking garage and we'd overlook surprise and so you know I, I probably some of the other coaches have already said it but I can still remember there was there was two water retention ponds, right? One right now where the, the student union buildings at was a, was a water drainage pond. And then just to where the gym was right now, where the competition gym is, the main gym at the Odell Center, was a huge, huge dried pond. And then, and then the football field was a parking lot for, uh, for the city of Surprise for overflow parking for the uh, spring training games. And it just happened to be marked and lined exactly like it is now, right? And so just like the football field sits from north to south and the yard lines, and there was a big surveying stake in the front, right in the middle of the field, like where the logo sits now. And we could sit up there and those, those guys would tell us, hey, Dr. Eichner would be like, this is where this is going to, this is that. And we put up these stakes and this and that. And then I think that, I don't know if anybody said it, earlier too. I can't remember if anybody talked about it earlier in the podcast, but I can remember when we first got here, it was like the first spring or first summer, they'd started fencing off the area to do the work, right? And there was one tractor and they parked this huge front end loader tractor out in the middle of the desert there. And it was sitting there and we would just watch that tractor. We were like, that tractor has to move at some point. We need some dirt to move, you know? because we bring recruits in and, and they could sign with us. And then maybe a couple weeks later or something, whatever that tractor would sit and we would just be like, 
once they start moving. But the funny part is, and every coach would say this, I bet, is the deal of where everything sits now is exactly like we would tell guys. Like our original recruits, like Austin McCullough and, and Taylor Camp, just different guys, Tristan and different kids. They are like, oh, yeah, it's exactly like you said in the recruiting trip. This is exactly where the end zone was going to be. This is the gym. This... And you think back three years ago when we were sitting here this time of year, three years ago in the end of June, that you're going to be where you're at now with two $25 million facilities and Founders Hall and all that. There would, You would be like, yeah, those guys, I don't know if those guys are really – I really think it's straight, you know, and so um, it was, uh, that was an interesting time. I mean, just, uh, you know, we have a, we have a group of photos that we did. We shot a photo every morning of the field as they were putting in the turf for recruiting. So every morning we'd go up to the parking garage and take a picture and just kind of every day what it would look like and to get to where we are now uh, with everything and, and, and what we've done as a, as a, community at Ottawa is, is really special. Now, when you started taking recruits up there, I mean, obviously you had said that you were hoping that tractor would move because guys would come back in two weeks and, and not a speck of dirt has moved. But did you get any weird looks or any kind of funny looks when you were pointing those things out where recruits? Oh, oh yeah. I, I can still the, – the best one was probably uh, when, when we showed around John Michael Williams, our field goal kicker, the last two years. So John Michael Williams was an original. So we signed John Michael. He came in and, and he practiced with us the first year out at the eight acres and then over to the field, uh, to Spirit Field. And then he was – and I can still remember him and his dad walking down the, the south end zone there, or the north end zone now, but the south of the uh, tennis courts. And there was a bunch of lava rocks and we'd walk down. So we would take our recruits and we'd walk down the, that, that end zone there on the north end zone all the way to where the park was. And though the park still is about where the uh, where uh, uh, Dreamcatcher Field starts, and we'd walk them there, and we'd explain to them, right, this is the gym, this is that, and I can still remember turning around and John Michael and his dad looking at each other like, "There's no way, this not this this is not this is great," but like total disbelief of what we were telling them, you know, and it was like, and he signed right away. I mean, same thing with Marcos. When we brought Marcos on campus, he was one of our first recruits to come take a tour. And it was – he was like, oh, my gosh. I, no, there was always disbelief. I can still remember the that first recruiting cycle, like this time of year. So David Mosley and Brandon Payne, they, were, they weren't even living in town yet. I was the only one in town. And those guys would they, – they would set me up with recruits. And so I would recruit the in-state guys and I'd get me X amount of high school guys to come over to campus and they would get X amount of guys each. And we would do anywhere between three to four recruiting weekend days on a weekend or a Thursday. And so it would start like with a group at eight in the morning and then a group at 10 or 11 and then another group at one or two and then a group at three or four. And, and so, and I was the only one here. So I would do the tour with them. I do the same tour, right? The same PowerPoint presentation, the same tour, the whole deal. And they would just, every parent, you could just see it in their face like, oh my goodness. And you know, are they, they really going to pull that off? And so 
when you get back and you play that first game, that first year against the Setis, and you're, it's happening, right? And there's a big crowd and people are standing on the fences and it's, it's, it's electric and it's a buzz. It, that was, a, that was a, an interesting year, probably, what, a year and three or four months to get to that point. It was, that was a lot of fun to see that happen and, and just see how excited people were for it. But, oh, yeah, a lot of disbelief. And even today, they're like, Coach, we, we kind of believed it, but we can't believe we pulled it off. And I think that's the, that's the funny thing that when you hear people say it, especially our players, that we pulled it off, that we were able to do it, right? The, the kids, the students, and I bet every coach feels the same way. Their players feel like they're, they're just as important as anything else to, to getting it to where it is right now today. And, and, they're, and they're, they're correct. Those players, those student-athletes, if it wasn't for their hard work and sweat and just wanting to believe to come do it, right? just the belief to show up when there's no students, there's no classrooms, there's one hallway, you know, there's one hallway for them to go to school, there's one computer lab, and there's no buildings, and you're like, yeah, we're going to start 28 sports by August, right? We're going to hire you guys in January, we're going to start 28 sports by August, those kids and their parents to be able to believe in it is is awesome it's it's fantastic were there ever any days and i'm sure uh maybe some came when nothing was being built after two three weeks of touring people around and um but was there ever any days where you're like man am am i really selling something that's going to happen or am i just kind of selling the you know fool's gold almost how were there ever any doubts when it came to that Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, you gotta realize like I, I, the, my joke I tell guys all the time was I just want to go buy a pair of cleats and a mouthpiece so I can say I have equipment and we didn't have equipment, right? We didn't even have a football. We didn't have one football for a football program. And so we hadn't bought equipment yet. Um, you gotta remember a lot of our coaches, most of us, our offices were all over founders hall. And so we were in a closet like Brad, take Brad at tennis. He was in a he was in a storage closet in the back of the building, and that was his office. And he found a grease board that he could write stuff on. Right? We were we were we had coaches that were outside in the summer working on picnic tables outside. Right? I mean, so you talk about a group of coaches and people that have been totally committed to this thing to to not just take off and run. I mean, they're 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 every one of us had dark days there where we were like, man, are we really, are we really going to be able to do it? Because until you do it, you don't realize how many players you have to recruit to get 140 guys, to get 130 players, to get 50 soccer players for Matt Gow. I mean, he's probably got to, he's got to make a thousand phone calls to get just 50 guys, right? Just the volume of people. And so for a group of coaches to be able to do that, and that's that's impressive because I mean for most of us all of us really none of us had staffs I sent a picture to my wife I had two ducks that would sit out beside a window in Fairs Hall and I had three quails and I take pictures and I still have them and they were the original OUAZ football staff the three quail and the two ducks and they'd show up every morning outside my window I'm like who's who there there's nobody in America doing it but that is one thing too, though, that we did know that coming into the job because 
there was every guy I visited with, every staff that had started, they said, you will work so hard your first year and you'll feel like you do no football. You do no X's and O's. You do, no, you do nothing that's really game related. All it is is just meetings on fields, meetings on stadium, meetings on equipment, meetings about recruiting, and it's, you, you don't feel like you're doing any football. But then when you, you really like now, you look back at it, you really learned a lot about how to build a football program, how to build it from, you know, zero to 60 and what you have to do. And every coach is, probably feels – every head coach that you talk to feels the exact same way, even if they didn't say it, that those, those dark days of can you really pull it off probably have led to a lot of them being pretty confident in what they can do as coaches and how they can lead their teams right now because they know they can do it. And that, that's, that's probably – that would be an interesting study for some guys to come look at different coaches and how they feel from a guy that walks into a program that's been 100 years old and has to start it to guys that built it from ground up for sure. Well, I'm sure those staff meetings with the Ducks and the Quails were maybe some of the more quieter staff meetings you ever had. So, well, yeah, the new guy, the guys on our staff now probably wish that they were just the Ducks and the Quails some days too. So, <laughs> they would, yeah, there, there's probably days too they look back at it. I mean, yeah, I mean, and then just to have a staff, right? Just to hire a guy and you get David Mosley on campus and then you get a Mike Buffet in the building and you're looking around the room and then a couple other guys that, we're here on that original staff as it starts to grow. Just the the feeling of it, you know, is it's 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 neat. It really is. Now, when we talked to Brittany Keller, the uh, assistant athletic director, last week, she had mentioned that right after kickoff of that first game against Setis at Spirit Field, um, was at a point, you know, was kind of that point where she said, "Okay, we made it." Right? Like, okay, everything we talked about, everything we wanted to do is, you know, maybe not, it's not done, but there's results here. Um, I'm sure during kickoff you were hyper-focused on the game just like you are normally, but was there ever a time, whether it be during the game, before the game, after the game, where you realized, okay, this is for real now. We're, we're getting serious. We're building things that we've promised. You know, the, the, the night before the game, the Friday night before the first game was one of them where you could really – you could feel it, you know, you could feel the, you know, you, you could feel the pride of it. Um, I, the, the one that, the one that we, if you really want to go back and you really feel it, we had a scrimmage, we had a scrimmage the, the, uh, the first year during spring practice, we had a scrimmage and it was uh, a Saturday morning and it was a good scrimmage. We ran a bunch of plays and the whole deal. And I can still remember getting in the car after the scrimmage and going, we've, we've done it, right? We've actually – we've got guys that can play. We've got a good team. We've got talent. We're, we can play at a high level. I mean, I think we could really, really be decent, right? That moment that, – that was kind of one of those, like, aha deals, right? Man, shoot, this is good. And then the night before the first game was like, this is, this is fun, you know, to see it. And you're going to have all those guys out there that help start the team and be around from the first year. And that was cool. And then the, the other one, though, that I remember that it, it, it kind of it's, it's kind of weird, but I can remember getting off the plane 
and arriving back at campus the first season when we beat Texas Wesleyan on the last play of the game. And we ended up seven and four and a winning record. And if we won the game, we were going to get a postseason game. We were going to get a bowl game in our first year. And I can still remember unloading the bus and the coaches and us standing right there kind of between City Hall and Founders Hall. And we were just, we were just all hugging each other and laughing. Like, we really pulled this off. This is like, like we just robbed the bank, right? Like we just did rob the bank and, and got away with it. I mean, it was like just an unbelievable deal. Yeah, you go to second year and you're at Waxahachie and you end up winning the conference title that day. And it's those three moments of like, you could really see the fruit of the labor, right? The hard work, the truck, everything that you got to do for it was, was a fun time. It, that, those are those moments where you look back and you, every guy on the staff will, and, and player included, that's been here since day one, probably looks at those moments of like, this is pretty good. And we've had everything happen in this football the last two, three years that I've probably never seen in 24 years of coaching college football. I mean, it's like, stories that we have about the players and the team and things that go on you're like that has never happened before and so it's it's been fun now we talked a little bit earlier and you mentioned it about getting the community involved and your team in particular is really big really close with the city's surprise and its employees I mean you had your offices in city hall and, and got to know those people really well and uh, definitely I think the city hall's favorite day is big win Mondays. Um, <laughs> yeah. We bring in the donuts uh, to the city after a win and that happened 10 times this past season. But um, why is it important for you and, and your program to get the city involved, to be close with its employees and, and to get the community feel like, okay, this is our college football team. Well, I, I think you, you hit it right there on your, on your head, right there in your last words where you said it's our college football team. I think the, the more you can make your football team, your athletic program, you can make it the community's football team or the community's athletic program where they have a sense of pride, a sense of ownership, where when they, they go to Mountainside Fitness, they want to wear an OUAZ football shirt when they're working out, and they have – no connection to the team. They have no family members. They, they see the coaches two or three times a week working out. Um, they see at a restaurant, you know, they see at Walmart or Fry's or wherever you're at, right? That, that's the deal that you want to do because, you know, we don't, one, you don't have a hundred years, right? You don't have a hundred years of success or failure, whatever you want to say, but you got to get those guys involved right away. And, and that, and that was something that we really wanted to do as a staff as fast as we could was to get people out to practice, get the city council to come out and watch practice, get them, you know, there's nights that the city council would come out and watch practice during their council meetings and just hang out and watch practice. Well, they're, they're meeting our players. They're meeting our kids. Their, their, their names are, they're shaking hands, right? And that's that was important because we wanted to generate some fan support. We wanted to generate a lot of goodwill with the people of the city, and we knew that that was gonna that was gonna have to happen. And, and we caught some good breaks with it. We really did, you know, with Mike Hoover helping us out and Paul Free with the Parks and Rec Department getting involved, and 
just two or three different guys that were able to introduce our kids and us to the right people at times. And, and then, you know, knock on wood, and hopefully our guys do a good job when they're out of the community. They do a good job when they're shopping at Walmart and they're at restaurants and they're personable and they meet people and they, they engage and, you know, and, and they're able to, you know, carry on conversations with guys and, and just talk about themselves and the team and the university. And, and that's what you want it to be. You want it to be everybody's involved, right? You want it to be their, their home base, their pride. And that, that helps a lot. Now for you and, and your team, I'm sure two years in, you never thought you would be playing in a national playoff game like you did when you went up to College of Idaho this last season. And obviously it didn't end the way that you wanted or anybody supporting the UAZ wanted. But how important was that to go to the playoffs and win the conference just in year two? No, I think that was a, was a big step. That was, you know, it goes back to like the first team meeting we had three years ago in August. We, we walked in and and we even told every guy we recruited the first year when we would talk about that we want to be a destination football program in the Southwest. We talked that we want to play for a conference championship, that we want to win an NAIA national championship. We've been saying that since day one, since we got we got on the job, right? And that was before we even had equipment, had a field, we had players, we had anything. But that was, we wanted to be in a elite, we really thought we could be in a destination place to go to school and play college football. We really thought that could happen by the location, the city of Surprise, where we were at, the university. And so we we started with that that mission right away. And you know, maybe we're all just too naive or too dumb or whatever, or what gullible, whatever word you want to use, but we just believed in it and said, all right, let's just go do it. Let's try to get there. And it goes back to the first year when we we play really good against our crosstown rivals and they're ranked and we, we get after them really good. We play good against Langston. Well, now all of a sudden you start looking around going, well, those guys are conference champs. These guys are in the playoffs every year. Well, why can't we be? And then, you know, we talked about it and all that, that Christmas break after the first year was, all right, we were seven and four, but have you guys ever thought maybe we underachieved at seven and four? And I can still remember the guys looking around the room like, we've been together for two years, and some of us just once, one semester, and this guy's going, maybe we underachieved. Maybe we were a nine-win team. And so, I mean, we started that mission back in December before last fall of, well, maybe if we just do a little bit better at a couple things, we can get two more wins. Maybe we can get ten wins. What, what, can that, what would that mean? Who, who would you be if you did that? And, and so then that created the, that next spring's excitement and energy to get guys going. And so um, I think that was, that was the big thing is the players and the coaches could see, yeah, you know what, we were four losses and every one of those were at the end of the game. And we had chances that we probably could have won it by a couple touchdowns and blown guys out or, you know, just ended up winning the game if we make two more plays. So, yeah, maybe we are maybe we did underachieve and uh, that was that was exciting to see us step up across the board I know you and I talked at the beginning of this last season and, and you explained to me about how like you said just now you know we were a couple plays away from having nine ten wins but when you first said that to your team and your coaching staff that you underachieved at seven and four before you explained it did anybody think you're absolutely out of your mind 
Oh yeah, no, 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 no. They, 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 they have the, the the first night when we met with the team before we'd even practice, and I told them, "You guys are going to play for a conference championship and win a national championship here." I know we walked out of that first team meeting in that hot little room over there in, in the city hall of surprise. Those, I guarantee every coach was like, this guy's crazy. What did I sign up for? But because I honestly believed that we could do it. I honestly believe we could do it if we did it, you know, did a lot of things the correct way, we would have a chance. And so, um, yeah, no. And then, yeah, you tell some guys, there were some guys probably some hurt feelings too. Right? Yeah, we're seven and four, but you guys probably could have been nine and two, me included. Because after I sat and watched this play over Christmas break that first year, I was like, yeah, we were probably better. We were probably better than seven wins. You know, and you're like, yeah, but – and, and here's the thing with that too, Seth, is everybody wants to – oh, that's great. It's the first year. You know, that's neat. Yeah, you guys got a couple wins. Well, no, if you really are competitive and you really have done a good job, you think, of coaching and recruiting and getting good talent in your building, you could honestly sit there and go, yeah, but we probably should have won two more. We probably should have won maybe three more, right? We, we, we probably could have won 10 games. And so, yeah, let's, let's be aggressive with it. Let's recruit to it. Let's challenge ourselves to get to that spot. And so, you know, it's like this year, right? We talked about before the, the, the pandemic and having to shut down. Well, now the, the mindset shouldn't be, well, can we win a conference championship? All right, we need to repeat at it. And, and how do you win a playoff game? How do you win a postseason game? How do you grow – over the spring and over the summer to win a postseason game or, or be good enough and ranked high enough to get a home game where you're not, you're not having to travel to Idaho or to Kansas or someplace to play a game. How do you get to where you're going to be at home and you're going you're gonna to get two home games in November when the weather's great here and it's miserable every place else in the country, right? So, um, you know, we, so we started talking about that as our, one of our goals for the year was, you know, can you, you got to win again and you got to, and you got to, you got to win once you get to the postseason. Don't just be happy that you made it. Go, go finish a game and, and win one. Now you mentioned postseason and for you, you and your team were the first ever team to host a postseason game of any kind on November 30th of 2018 um, in the Victory Bowl against Olivet Nazarene, a 38-35 loss. But, um, you know, your team's just making history left and right, and that's another one. What was that like to be the first team to host a postseason game at home? All right, that was, that was neat, you know, and, and we had a lot of support for that with Hayden and the, and the building company that was helping us, you know, put on that bowl game. And that, that was fun. And, and, and here's the thing with that bowl game that was so important for our team was we needed to place somebody else from across the country so we could compare ourselves with somebody outside our league. You know, that, that was something that was really important for us to get to a postseason game where we could see somebody like Olivet Nazarene that plays in a good conference, that's super competitive, um, that has some teams that play in the postseason and national championship games. What do our guys look like, right? What do our players look like compared to their guys? What do their body types look like? You know, where are they good at? What are they bad at? You know, what, what do we need to be able to do outside our conference to be competitive? Because you can kind of figure out the niche in your league, what you got to do to win your league. But what do you got to do to win two or three games in the playoffs to advance? What type of team do you have to be 
to be able to make it. And, and that was what was good for us in the bowl game, not just being excited that we were the first team in the school to, to have a postseason game and, and things like that. That was, that was a lot of pride in that moment too, but just the growth of your team to be able to see other people. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, you can figure out how to win in your league, but you don't play through your league when it comes to the playoffs. So you got to figure out how to, how to win outside of your league. And um, you won in, inside of your league and, and outside of your league. And while the season didn't end uh, with the wins you were hoping for, you did get a big win um, as a program and as a school off the field when, it, when the Odell Center opened up. That includes Faith Arena, the, the new third floor offices, the new weight room that um, football has definitely taken full of advantage of. I've seen that more than a few times. And um, for you, just the, the whole building, whether it be the offices or the gym or the training room or the locker rooms, what did it feel like that everything that you had promised, everything that you had told recruits and, and even told some of your assistant coaches and yourself, is finally here. There's something that you can say, yes, I said, and I, I promised that something like this would be here. And now here it is. Well, that, that, that's a key, you know, like we talked about that earlier that you can't just have a bunch of pictures and diagrams. And at some point you, you, the proof's got to be out there, right? They've got to be able to touch it. They got to be able to see it. Um, I can still remember telling the, the basketball coaches, coach Moss and coach Keely and those guys that, their teams will change once they get their own court. Um, their, their teams will change. I could see our team's mindset change that first October when we got the turf put in and they had a field. We didn't even have bleachers. We didn't have a stadium. We have it. But I could see our guys right away go, this is our field. This is where we play. This, we have to defend the den. We got to defend the field. You know, this is who we are. And you could see that. And, and I bet you'll see that with those other sports. You'll see, you know, Coach Moss and, and his women's team and Coach Keeley and the men, their, their teams will change <clears throat> a little bit now just because of some pride in their home court. And they'll, they'll have something that they can, that's, you know, they can show. It's like I can see our weight workouts. Our weight workouts improved the minute we got into the new weight room. They were good at Valley Vista. But we're still driving to the high school. We're still going over there to get in the room. Now, all of a sudden, we were, we had our own place. Cody had his own place. He could put his name on it. He could design it. He could really set his ground rules and what he wanted it to look like and what he wanted it to be. And it could grow. I could see our, our intensity in the weight room get better because it was the kid's room. It was their school's room. It was their school's weight room. And so all that stuff – it just goes back to pride, right? It goes back to if, if the kids can see that you're doing it at a high level, okay, you can take budget and money and all that stuff and throw it out. But if the players and the student athletes in any sport can see you doing it at a high level, because, you know, don't get it twisted. They still talk to their friends that go to Arizona or Arizona State or Northern Arizona or Sac State or wherever they go. They talk to their friends. They compare they compare, well, our coaches did this, our, our coaches, you know, they're doing this, or we get to do that. Well, if your guys can see that you're putting the same effort and care into what you're doing on the field, off the field, facilities, all of it, then then the word of mouth grows, right? The, the, the reputation of, yeah, that's a good place to go to school. That's a good place. They, 
they do things right. They, they have nice, they have donors, they have donors like the Odell's that are willing to give up their own personal finances to help raise the money for a building that, that houses our student athletes and our coaches. Not a lot of places have that where people are willing to sign those checks. That, that shows commitment, right? Well, then it's easier for us to talk about commitment with our coaches and our teams and hold each other accountable because you do have people out there that are willing to, to make a personal and professional and financial sacrifice to your school. And so that, that all comes into it too, as you're looking at being able to do it because you can sit there and tell a parent and a family, Hey, we're going to build a new building. And then all of a sudden they walk in and they're like, yeah, this one family has helped generate this initial gift to get us to this point or what we would, you know, what the city of surprise put in money wise to help the university get going. That's all commitment. And, and kids want to go someplace where they think there's a commitment to the team, the university, to them individually, right? If, if our student athletes see that as a university, their professors, their president, their chancellor are committed to them as an individual, then they're going to perform at a good level academically, socially, and athletically because they believe that they're at the right place. They can see that they're at the right place for themselves. And so, you know, all that just needs to keep coming together and working like that. Well, things are starting to come together at, at OUAZ, and especially for football. I mean, 17 wins, a conference championship, two postseason games. I mean, in two years, if you said that to any other coach, I'm sure they would, you know, just like you. I mean, that's great, right? But for you, I, I mean, on paper and from the outside, from a non-football coach perspective, I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, that's a great start for a two-year program. And how do you go up from there? And But for you and, and your team, what does next year have to look like in order for you to feel like, okay, we've taken that next step. We're still moving forward. We didn't, we're not complacent with where we're at. We make that next step forward. Yeah, uh, you, you know, but let's, let's see how we show up when we start in, in July and August, you know, did, did we survive? Did we survive being apart from each other for 16 weeks? And, you know, are we healthy through the pandemic and are we in shape, right? Because this is the longest that our guys have been, without a weight room and without a coach. And, you know, we talk about them having ownership of the team, you know, how much ownership have they had of the team right now? Are they keeping, they keeping that in place? You know, that'll be an interesting thing just to see how they handle that. Um, not for me, really. It's just, do they, it goes back to our, our common goals that we talked about that first year. Do they show up and want to work hard for each other? Do they care about each other? Are they willing to sacrifice and, and stay committed to each other? If we're doing that, then I really, I really believe we'll, we'll have a chance to be good. You know, that's, um, I think we have the right guys. I think we have the right character of people, um, not just players, but just the right temperament of guys, the right people that want to be around each other, that want to work and they can actually care about another guy and love them and take care of them. And if we're doing that, then, We'll have it. We'll have a chance to be good. I think we'll have a chance to be successful, and, and then we'll just we'll just see how we play. Well, coach, really appreciate your time uh, taking time of your day to talk with us. Is there any final words or any final thoughts you want to leave with the OUAZ community and the OUAZ fans? Well, no, I, just, I you know get out and support us. You know, get out and support our teams. I, I say that every time when I do a radio show or anything like that. We have really good kids. We have good kids that are that are excited to be at Ottawa, that are excited to be part of OUAZ athletic, across the board, not just football, but we have a lot of good people. And uh, 
you know, tell your friends, get out of your house and come watch our kids and get around our student athletes, come meet them, come be part of the group with them. Um, they, they need to be engaged and they want to be engaged by other people outside the, the university, but get out there and, and, and be part of the group with them. And the, you'll find out that they're enjoyable young people to be around. And there's some really sharp guys and gals in that locker room that can do some good stuff. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to not just football, but as you mentioned, just every sport on campus, uh, taking that next big step forward. And, and coach, thanks again for talking with us. And uh, hope, hopefully we'll be seeing you here soon. Sounds good, Seth. Take care.